Good morning, Rock Point. Happy New Year to you. Oh, I sense your excitement, kind of. <laughs> so glad you're here, glad you're watching. I always love to come and join you here in worship. I been doing it for years, and when I was leading churches, uh, I was always watching your church to find out what you guys were doing, and because it informed our ministries wherever I was so much. Uh, you know, what a tremendous staff that you have. I'm so grateful for my friendships uh, with those on the staff that I've come to know over the years. But like Destin said, and thank you for that uh, exciting uh, um, uh, intro. I, I could use that on tape so I could wake up to it every morning. That'd be a great way to start the day. But uh, uh, Ron and I have been friends for a long time. I've known Ron uh, ever since we were 18, uh, which uh, we've been friends for about 10 or 15 years, I guess. That, that makes it. I wasn't, didn't major in math. But uh, Anyway, love him, and I think you know, you know what a great pastor and a great leader that you have here at Rock Point. I certainly know what a great friend he is, and I'm grateful for him. I'm glad to be with you, and uh, when I was entitling this sermon and I pushed back and, and thought about it, um, I, uh, I, I had to admit it's not the most uh, inspiring uh, uh, title I've ever come up with, not the most exciting. I'm sure it doesn't set your heart all aflutter. You probably uh, didn't lean over to the person next to you and said, yes, all my sheep questions will be answered today. This is great. I'm so glad I came to church. Uh, but as we look at John chapter 10, um, the words that we're going to hear from Jesus today are a tremendous opportunity in this new year to recalibrate, to remember, to be honest about who we really are. And to rethink in a fresh way about the kind of relationship that Jesus longs to have with everybody in this room. I called it the year of the sheep because uh, what we're about to read can become a theme passage for your entire year. And I guarantee if you begin to apply what we're going to talk about today, it will transform the kind of year that you have. So if you want to read along, uh, we're in John chapter 10. We're going to read uh, 15 verses there. And Jesus begins by saying, Now anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Let me tap the brakes right here before we keep reading on because I'm assuming most of us didn't grow up on a sheep ranch. Am I right? Any, any uh, sheep herders in the room? Uh, that's about everybody. Uh, let me give you just a little context as Jesus is talking about sheep pens and gates and gatekeepers. What's all this about? Well, in Jesus' day, it was very common to invest in sheep. Uh, you didn't have a bank account. You didn't have a retirement account. You invested in your livestock, and sheep are very, very valuable animals. All parts of sheep are, are um, uh, uh, valuable. A wool for clothing, right? Skin, usable, meat for eating, even the bones of sheep. And so all throughout Jesus' culture, people own sheep, and in these villages... A lot of poor people couldn't own lots of sheep, but what most often happened in those villages in Jesus' day is that there would be one person in their property, they had the sheep pen, and a number of neighbors would come together and they would pool their resources. 
So one family may have three sheep, somebody else may have six sheep, somebody else may have a dozen. They put them all together at night and they pull their resources, hire a gatekeeper or a night watchman. Uh, but every day they would come to this common place and take their sheep out to pasture. And Jesus is using that as a metaphor to tell us something about our spiritual life. Let me go on in verse seven. So therefore Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. And all who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand's not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And here ends our reading. Now, I'm sure with all the sheep talk and from your time in church, you probably had some pictures come to mind of, of what this passage reminds you of. Some of us grew up in a church with that famous stained glass portrait of Jesus. There he is with his staff, a little lamb in his arms, a little sheep in the background. Maybe you grew up in a church like that. Or maybe you came up in a Sunday school where your Sunday school teacher held that picture up of Jesus, the good shepherd. But throughout the centuries, Christians has, have found this picture to be so inspiring and comforting, so much so that uh, the earliest pictures, depictions that Christians made of Jesus was as the good shepherd. It wasn't of Jesus on the cross. This picture here is found in the catacombs in Rome, just maybe 100, 150 years after Jesus lived. And um, in those dark tunnels where they worshiped and they were trying to make a sacred space, what they chose to depict was Jesus, the good shepherd. We have an old, old prayer that comes out of that time where at, at a Christian funeral, they would say a, a prayer that said, God, take this dearly departed one. And in Latin, they would say, Boni uh, uh, pastoris humeris repetarum, which means carry this one to heaven on the shoulders of the good shepherd. It's a comforting picture. It's a beautiful picture. It's our, one of our favorite pictures of Jesus. But when Jesus used these words, what he's trying to describe and say to us is something about ourselves that, that will be helpful for us to think about today to make sure that we're in step with our understanding of how God sees us. But he'll also use that image of the good shepherd not only to comfort us, but also to describe the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. So what's Jesus saying when he says to us that we're like sheep? And the Bible will use this image a whole lot. It's a little bit more than Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. It's not only this kind of cuddly, lovable picture. In fact, if you want to buckle up a little bit, it's a little less than flattering when the Bible refers to us as sheep. It means at least a couple of things. To use a phrase out of an old hymn, it partly is saying that if you're sheep-like, you're prone 
to wonder. The Bible doesn't say all we like sheep have perfect senses of direction. It says what? All we like sheep have, yeah, yeah, because sheep are notorious for getting lost in constant need of course correction. Sheep will put their heads down in a pasture and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and wonder and wonder and wonder and then look up at the end of the day and have absolutely no idea where it is. Not all animals are like this. Uh, I've got a cat. We're not cat people at my house. We always had dogs, but uh, a year ago, uh, my daughter brought home a cat and now it's I can't get rid of it, how else to say it. But anyway, we've got this cat and I'm matching wits with this cat and I'm losing because I want the cat to stay in my yard and the cat will not do it. I've erected fences, I have elaborate security systems I won't bore you with and this cat keeps climbing over my fence and running in the neighborhood. And early on when the cat started doing this, we would drive around the neighborhood and scream like mad people out the window for the cat and the cat never came and we would go down the alley looking for the cat. But after a few times, we would go to the front door and eventually that cat would show up right at the front door. He knew exactly where we lived. And lots of animals are like this. Dogs are kind of like this. Horses can be like this. Cattle can be like this. Sheep are not like this. They get lost. They need guidance. They need direction. And so do I. When you think about it, can you remember your 16-year-old self? It'll be harder for some than others, but can you remember 16-year-old you? Now, think of 16-year-old you, and when 16-year-old you thought back on 12-year-old you, what did you think? What a goof. What a, what a goof. If I knew at 12 what I knew at 16, middle school would have been a breeze. But wait a minute. When you were 21 and you look back on 16-year-old you, what'd you think? What a doofus. What a doofus. If I knew at 16 what I knew at, at 21, life would have been so much. Wait a minute. If you're old enough to be 31 and you look back on you when you were 21, you get the point. Our present self always look, looks on the younger version of ourselves and we see our need for guidance and direction. The problem is, is that our present selves thinks that we're finally got it all together. We think we're over it. I'm pretty good right now, but I guarantee you in a couple of years, I'll look back on this guy and I'll go, what was that guy thinking? Because all we are a little like sheep. And I need some direction. I need some guidance. Now, some would hear that and say, well, that feels a little harsh. That's a little insulting. And that's certainly not all that the Bible says about who we are as human people. It doesn't say that we're completely oblivious and mindless, have no rational capacity. Psalm 8 says, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the world. I look up in the sky. I see the stars, the moon, and the majesty of it all. And I have this question. What are people that you even give a care about who we are? And here's the answer in Psalm 8. We're a little lower than the angels. 
and crowned with glory. The Bible tells us that we have the image of God in us. We are beloved by God and we're also a little like sheep. It's both. It's both. We have this amazing capacity to achieve certain things and at the same time, we can get it so, so wrong. We can paint the Sistine Chapel and at the same time, we can rig an RV to blow up in downtown Nashville. We can construct a symphony and say the most poisonous things on social media because all we like sheep. We need a little coaching. We need a little guidance. One commercial pilot that I know who regularly looks at that complex cockpit and understands it and gets a multi-million dollar aircraft airborne and on the ground safely, he said sheepishly to me, I have no idea what to do with my teenage daughter. Because he's both. Amazing capacity, yet a little like sheep. We need some input because of our lack of perspective. Jesus says we're a little like sheep, which means we need some guidance, but it also refers to the vulnerability of who sheep are. You have never in your life ever seen a wild herd of sheep. Never. Because they wouldn't last that long. I mean, maybe overnight, that'd be it. I mean, something would eat them. These are docile, defenseless creatures. There's a reason you drop your toddler in that petting zoo with lambs. You're not worried about them. They're just not that aggressive. But it also makes them susceptible to attack. And so Jesus says, they're thieves. And they're robbers. They're wolves. Bible students look at that passage and they go, what do you think that means? Who do you think he's talking about right there? Think he's talking about the Pharisees? Well, could be. Think he's talking about Satan? Well, probably. Where do you want to start the list? Because what he's talking about is that if you're a little like sheep, there's something that's out to get you. And we're a little vulnerable. What are the things in your life robbing you and stealing your joy and getting you off course and slowly draining you of the good life God's trying to build in you? The truth of the matter that Jesus is trying to say that there are things and there's someone who's trying to undo the good thing God's trying to do in my life. Always. Now, knowing that can terrify you, or it can wake us up. With Chuck Yeager, that amazing pilot who passed away last year, you may have seen the movie or read the book, The Right Stuff, that included his story. First to break the sound barrier, World War II pilot, amazing test pilot was once asked, what kept you flying all those years? Why do you think you had the illustrious career that you did? And he answered and he said, because I was always positive and terrified that I could die at any moment. So I was very careful and respectful of the aircraft and I knew what my emergency equipment was. 
I was alert in the cockpit. And thinking about these things is not meant to beat us up or terrify us. It's meant to remind us, yeah, this is who I am. But knowing this also wakes me up and reminds me of the kind of relationship that I need to have with Jesus and the kind of relationship he offers me. Because if I'm really honest, as I think about my journey with Jesus, it's looked differently as I've gone. There have been seasons of my life where I I don't know how to describe it. I I just might call it, I kind of had the spare tire faith. You know what I'm talking about? I I believe Jesus was with me, but he was kind of out of sight. He was in the back, but I was glad that I knew that he was there. So if I ever hit a crisis, I could pop the trunk and, and maybe get back on the road. That's the role he played in my life. Just that Jesus take the wheel kind of mentality of when I'm spinning out of control, I'll call out for Jesus and I'm glad that he's there, but he's really in the trunk of my life. And that's one way. That's one way that you can relate to Jesus. Sometimes we get a little bit more serious about our faith and we say, well, I want Jesus really to be my specialist Uh, when it comes to religion, when it comes to church, when it comes to character development, when it comes to values, I'm going to make Jesus my star. I'm going to make him the leader of that area of my life because I want to be spiritual. I want to be a well-rounded person. And I want to make sure that that I'm working on that area of my life. But Jesus also needs to stay in his lane because there's lots of different areas of my life. But when it comes to church, I'm going to choose the Jesus way. And he is my specialist. He's my consultant about spiritual matters. Which is okay. But sheep do not need a spare tire. And sheep do not need a consultant. Sheep need a shepherd. And Jesus says in this passage, I'm the shepherd that you need. I'm the good shepherd that can take care of the guidance needs for your life, no matter what area that it is. I can take care and preserve and protect the vulnerable places of your life. But if that's going to happen, we have to have a certain kind of relationship. It's not enough to have a picture of me as the good shepherd or even to call me the good shepherd. We have to have a certain kind of relationship. And Jesus describes that in this passage. He said, if I'm going to be the good shepherd, what I'm talking about is you and I have to develop a kind of intimacy with one another. I know you, and I want you to know me. So much so that when I whisper your name, or when I whisper instructions to you, you hear it and you respond. You know, that's how Palestinian shepherds call their sheep. Remember back in the sheep pen? All the sheep are all mixed up. The way they separated the sheep is the gatekeeper didn't open the gate and the shepherd walk in and say, I think that's mine, grab it by the ear and drag it out squealing. All that the shepherd had to do was stand at the gate and he didn't even name all of his sheep, but even today, each shepherd has a certain kind of distinctive quality to their voice or their call. 
And because they spend all their time with their sheep, the sheep recognizes the voice. And you know how that works. I mean, I handled the sheep of my family in the same way. I've been married to Stephanie for 26 years. And uh, when I call out her name, in the early years, I learned not to come shouting. If I wanted to let her know, I come in peace. I kind of came and I say her name with a lilt to it. I go, Stephanie, that's kind of how I say it. Stephanie, that's how it goes. And when she hears Stephanie, she knows I'm not mad. Everything's good and and I want to get along. But over the years, that's changed. I don't walk in a room and I don't typically go, Stephanie, I've turned it into a tune, that tune that she's heard, and I kind of whistle. Now that may sound terrible, but it really works for us. I mean, if we're in a large store, if we're in Home Depot or something, I don't go down the aisle, the paint aisle going, Stephanie. All I do is I go, and she hears that. Or if we're at a party and because I'm old, I want to go home. I don't announce that. I don't say, well, let's get out of here. I go, and she knows. She knows. She ignores it, but she knows. Love knows. Love knows when we're so familiar with someone and we love them, we can tune in And we know, love knows, doesn't even have to call our name. And Jesus says, what I long for, so I'm not interested in shouting your name and I'm not coming after you with a stick. I want you and I to have such intimacy that I can just whisper your name, just a still small voice and you'll hear it and get it. And come because that kind of relationship and intimacy allows Jesus to do this to lead us, to lead us. He sees what we don't see, he knows what we don't know, he detects the danger that we don't detect. And if we are in tune with him in that way, and listen, you don't have to have Bible scholarship to interact with Jesus this way. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about technical knowledge. But if every day and in every scenario of my life, I'm listening for the good shepherd and his guidance, Jesus says, you'll hear it. If you listen, I know how to get your attention I'll tell you exactly what to do. And Jesus says, if you do, I can lead you and protect and provide for you. Can you imagine what 2021 would look like if we attempted to live in this way? Jesus says, I'll tell you what it's like. I'll save you. In verse nine, that's what he says. 
If we interact in this way, I will save you, which is saying more than, remember that uh, special feeling you had at camp, you know, when you were a kid, you know, I'll make you feel that way. It's more than that. He's talking about, he will do exactly what he promised. He said, I'll lead you into the pen of safety. I'll lead you out. I'll take you to pasture. I'll guide your life. And he says in verse 10, I will give you life to the full, to the overflowing. But that kind of experience only comes with a certain kind of relationship. The relationship of a good shepherd to his listening sheep. That's really possible. John chapter 10 isn't a sermon that Jesus gave. He didn't pull over on the side of the road and say, hey, I was thinking about sheep. Everybody gather around. I want to tell you a story. Actually, it's a, uh, it's a commentary of what happened in John chapter 9. What happened in John chapter 9 is Jesus and his disciples were leaving the temple grounds. And as you would expect, as they pushed out to the edges of the temple, that's where the beggars collected because what, a, what better place to set up a charitable organization than right after people coming out of church? I mean, they either have a guilty conscience or they may be in a better mood and they may be a little bit more open to the suffering of their fellow man. And so the beggar set up and asked for money right there. And Jesus spotted a man born uh, who's blind from birth, rattling his can, begging for coins. That's what he came to church for hoping for a couple of clinks so that he can get something to eat just that day, just make it that day. And in John chapter nine, Jesus goes to the man and gives him a gift he couldn't have imagined. He heals his sight, gives him sight. He just wanted some coins. He just wanted a little dignity. And Jesus is saying, I'm not passing out coins. I've come to give you abundant life for those that want it. Because I can get in a routine where I come to church just rattling my can, hoping to hear something a little inspirational, a little pick-me-up, meet some nice people, have a little change of scenery. But the good shepherd says, I got more than that in store for you. Do you want it? Do you want it? Are you willing to recognize that you need a little guidance? Truth be told, you can't handle it all. And that drawing close to Jesus will cultivate a kind of familiar friendship that'll allow you to live a different kind of life beyond what you ever imagined. He's got adventures in store. Early in my ministry, I, uh, I was a youth minister actually in this area. Um, I remember one young girl, she was 15, she went to Marcus. She looked a little older than what she actually was, and that didn't help her much because she got an older boyfriend who was out of high school. Parents didn't like him, said, you're not seeing this guy. But late one night, he drove up in front of the house. She popped the screen out of her bedroom window, jumped out, got in the car. And mothers just have a sense of when something goofy's happening. And so the mother got up, checked the bedroom, saw her daughter was missing, and called her. 
And so when the home phone lit up inside of that car that she was in, the daughter, she and this boy that she barely knew decided to make a run for it. He didn't take her home. He took her to California. Drove. They called from New Mexico to say, hey, we're okay, but we're not coming home and I'm not getting in trouble and you know, I'll check in from time to time. And the parents called me. I'm just a youth minister and I said, I'm, I'll pray for you. My, that's awful, that's terrible. I, you know, let me know how it goes. If I can get some casseroles together for you, let me know. But that dad, you know what that dad did. That dad got on a plane and he figured out that this boy had a, a mother that lived in LA and he got her address and he flew out and he drove there and they weren't there, but he spent a couple of days circling in concentric circles from that home round and round and block by block and park by park until he found his car. And he walked up in the early morning and there they were in the car at a park his daughter in the back seat, fast food bags on the floorboard. She hadn't had a shower in days. And the dad tapped on the glass. And she looked up. And what do you think she thought? <laughs> she thought, I can either run or I can open the door. And she did. Because she knew the man outside the glass loved her more than the guy inside the car. And every once in a while, in worship moments like this and on days like this, when we slow down enough to think about who we really are and the kind of relationship Jesus wants us to have, we can hear the tap on the glass and we go, what was I thinking? I want what the good shepherd has to give me. That's what I want. Because the life we sometimes chase is not worth having. I don't know what the good shepherd is whispering for you to do today. I, I, I don't know. I do believe you can hear him. I do believe you know. I will say this. We are gonna start this regen thing, which is this discipleship program, and its intent is to help us connect the dots between understanding that I have a need for Jesus and then actually seeing it happen in my life. And, and you're invited if you're in a place spiritually where you're blocked and you've got some questions and you're stuck or you've got some relational issues, maybe your marriage or maybe your parents or kids, whatever, and you need to help connect what the good shepherd wants to give you in terms of abundant life and make it connect there. Or maybe it's related to a personal issue. It could be a, a lot of different things, but if the good shepherd is asking you to lean into this kind of relationship with him, I want you to know that this year we're gonna be talking about how to do that and would love to help you do that. Let me lead us in prayer though. Oh God, how do we say thanks? that you would go as far as you have, even to the place of giving your own life just to let us know how much you love us and how much good you want to do us. And so, Lord, we pray that as we unstop our ears, we would hear the shepherd's voice and we ask, give us the courage to take the next step. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.